when I get out my head. Plug in the mic and leave nothing unsaid. Now sit back, relax, and listen to some real talk. Now sit back, relax, and listen to some real talk. You are now listening to Unspoken Words Podcast. Yeah. You gotta travel with the dragon in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Unspoken words. Episode 151, the take initiative and make things happen episode. Hey, 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 oh, hey, oh, hey, hey, Just make it happen. Hey, uh, hey. And no one, hey, no one. It's always with the, that beauty <laughs> beat at the end. What the heck? Getting real sacred at the end yeah. there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Unspoken words. We're out here in Phoenix today. Phoenix, it's hot. Hot. Man, me and JC went for a walk earlier. Oh, my goodness. I made us get off too early, and we had to walk like a mile. <laughs> I thought I had to carry him. I got I know. you. I got you, bro. Oh, only, uh, luckily, it was only like 95 or 98 or something. Yeah. It was pretty chill still. Yeah. All right. So over here to my left, all the way from L. Jesus. He's number 83 in the place to be. The pod Gotti, Randy B. Say Shoda. Shoda. Welcome to the desert episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And over here to my right. All the way from Bobwood, I know, I know, I know. He is your favorite Indian, your ace hole in one. JCB, say Shoda. Shoda, Arizona, I'm back, baby. Yeah, yeah. And across the way from me today, a special guest, the Don of Wildbride, Don Coyas. Yes. Say hello, say Shoda, say howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, and you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek. Uh, hey. Uh, hey. Oh, man, we missed out on the... Hey, there we go. Got some Lulus. Hey, bring my, bring my horse in. Bring my horse in. I haven't seen her in a while. We brought her to the desert to get some of that heat. <laughs> Ah, there's, Karen, she, there's, there's my horse. Karen, Karen made it beautiful. Yeah, she loves the the dry heat. Karen came first on. class, though. Yeah, she came first class. We had to sit in back, back of the plane. Yeah, man. hey, cradled, huh? Man, when we landed here, man, that scared me. Why? Oh, that bump. Oh, Boom. yeah, dude. that was like the roughest landing I ever had in a plane. I, I was telling my brother that, and he goes, I think you're the only guy that pays attention to landing and take off. I thought, what did we do, land on a res road or what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, hit a pothole. Hit a pothole right away. <laughs> <laughs> hit, hit, hit bottom. Hit a pothole right away. <laughs> pothole right on anywhere res Main Street. Because yeah. I, I was watching that Spider-Man movie that uh spider-verse into the spider-verse or whatever and then it was just like boom and man in my head on like shocked you out of it you hit yeah uh, drug that tailpipe real quick i know man. sparks going all over the <laughs> runway <laughs> <laughs> oh man so how's your day going don so far, so good, but I'm wondering what I got myself into here. <laughs> yeah, we're just two, or uh, we like to uh, think of ourselves as just three res kids with a tape recorder. I should have bought my Sage. <laughs> Smudged us you up. Know, I, I ask myself that every week. What did I get myself into? <laughs> 
kind of in too deep now. Yeah. I know it was pretty fun, and it's crazy. Like I could, like I was just dead tired before this, but then like when we hit record, man, that yeah. energy just comes on. Hear that intro, and yeah, there it goes. It's time to go. It's time to go. Yeah, our day started at three a.m. this morning because we had to be early. At the, we had to be at the airport by four. Then we flew into South Lake. And then we flew over here. So caffeine and adrenaline right now. That's yeah. it. Yep. We're going to have to take a nap after this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> after this recording. What goes up must come down. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Um, what are you guys feeling? What are you guys feeling for like a, like a little icebreaker? Should we tell a story? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Let's do the bucket list thing. Yeah. Let's do the bucket list. Yeah, let's okay. do bucket list. Uh, one item from your bucket list that you have not said yet. Okay. Okay. You look like you're ready to go. Well, no, I was because you said right when you said something you haven't said yet. Then I thought of everything I already said. So like, I was like, now I got to reset. Okay. So okay. go ahead if you if you got something. Mm, bucket list. I know I've said the Rio Grande. I can't even remember what I said after that. Um. Oh, swimming with sharks. So definitely try that out. Like in the cage. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Like I'd be in a cage? cage where it's just kind of floating at the top and they put in the chum in the water and then the sharks come <laughs> swimming around. Like I do that. Like I wouldn't go like diving way down there and have them swimming around me. I'd probably freak out. Oh, like just like a free dive? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'd be in a cage. Yeah, yeah okay. I'd do that. Oh man, just That's thinking scary. about that gives me the willies. I would do that too, but if I was like at like ten feet or like twelve <laughs> feet, you know, yeah, yeah. not too deep, a little bit, so I can, you know, use those bars to like. Push, push <laughs> I mean, no, up. yeah, those cages float. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah, they float. They yeah. got like, then they're like connected to the ship. I don't know, man. The water's like too big for me to even trust, man. Real. Yeah, it's like scary. I know. One, I, I one, mean, I do it though. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I, I I probably couldn't. I wouldn't even be able to get in there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I went like I said. I went to the ocean and I got as far as maybe my calves. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is not for me. Nope. <laughs> Take me back. To the I'm mountains. an inland native, man. I need to go back to the mountains, bro. <laughs> You're like, I need mountains. I don't need no beaches. <laughs> what about you, Randy? Ben, I don't know. I think I I would love to like skydive. Oh, okay. Just the thought of it, though. But yeah, yeah, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, no, I think that would be kind of cool. So let me know when you're going. I'll go. Yeah, with you. All, all right. Oh, oh, what about you, Don? You got anything on your bucket list? Oh man, to top. Do I have to do I have top what you guys just said? No, 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 no. no, no. no. Just whatever. Oh, whatever. Whatever's on your bucket list. Well, let me see. What would be on my bucket list? That's kind of wild like that. Um, I wouldn't skydive. Yeah. I cannot figure out why a human being would jump out of a plane. <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> that would not be on my bucket list. Yeah, jump yeah. out of a perfectly good plane. Huh? I know. Uh, yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> You'd miss hitting the runway. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Might miss. hit that pothole. <laughs> pothole right on the... <laughs> I I think if I had I've, I I've always wanted to go to uh, Iceland, mm. and I okay. don't really know why. It's just been like a spiritual pull to go there sometime. Yeah, right on. Right on. To Iceland, cool. That's pretty cool. I I 
I know uh, Iceland and Greenland, their names are kind of reversed. Yeah. Yeah. So Iceland isn't icy and Greenland isn't green. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so there's kind of a. I learned that, that one. That one. What kind of, or what, what people live on Iceland? Iceland? You know? I don't know. Icelandic? Is that what they say? Oh. Oh, I don't know. I think that's what it is. I Icelandic. think on Mighty Ducks, yeah, I think that's what they were. Remember, that's where, that's about the extent of my knowledge on Iceland and Greenland is. From Mighty, uh, Ducks. Mighty Ducks, yeah. Mighty Ducks 2? I think it was Mighty Ducks 2, remember? When they went to, I think they, it was the... Like U- no, it was Junior USA. Olympics? Yeah, the Junior Olympic. Oh, yeah. Well, almost called it the Kinda. episode, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you then, do you remember your bucket list? My bucket, well, um, now that you said Olympics, I would want to go check one of those out. Oh, like a summer man. games. Yeah. Man. But but I would want like full access, you yeah, know, like, like to go be able to go everywhere and like meet all the athletes and kind of you know twenty twenty four in L A. Is it really? Yeah, huh. I think. Oh that's well, what I was it. just gonna say I wouldn't want to travel abroad for it though, because then you know. Yeah. What? Like you know, go to Olympics in another country. I would. I think I would prefer that. I guess you're right. Yeah. Dep- I, yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. I guess now that I think about it, I mean, but I I I'd really. Canada. When it comes down to it, I really don't care where it would be. Yeah. Just to go check it out and, you know, see the games. To have access, though. Yeah, just to yeah. have that access. Not to, to all the games, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, be able to chop it up with all the athletes and stuff. Check yeah. them out. I know those, uh, the track and field, man, those stadiums are, like, packed. And it's, like, hyped and it's, like, loud. I've never yeah. been to a track meet like that. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> no. Like a full-on sporting event track meet? Yeah. I used to only run when they would chase me, so. Like a pope Not pope. a whole lot of that going on nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Right on, you guys feeling warmed up? We're yes, good. Sir. We're good. Right on. So let's uh let's get into the interview portion of it. And DJ, if you're ready, why don't you hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're here, Unspoken Words, in episode 151. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. We're here at the Wellbriety All Addictions Gathering Conference. Yes, yes sir. And we got the Don here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just tell us a little bit about the conference. Like, what was the motivation behind that? I know it's been on, like, it's happening every year. It's an annual thing. What year are we in? And, like, what's the focus this year? Well, I think this is the third year uh, okay. to have this conference. And uh, one of the reasons for it is uh, originally we used to do conferences just around alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, when White Bison started, it was just alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also tried to get uh, a native well, uh, Al-Anon going. So mm-hmm. we worked on that for five, six years. And uh, But then we found out when this meth hit and fentanyl hit and opioids mm-hmm. hit and all this stuff, mm-hmm. That uh, people were, uh, they had, really had no place to go because uh, mm. Al-Anon didn't want to yeah. really talk about that. And, you know, in AA, they got, depending on what group you go to, they got rules, you know. Yeah. Just talk about alcohol if you, you leave your other problems. And uh, so what we found out is in our Native communities, I don't even know any Native is just an alcoholic anymore. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. You know, you're, you're lucky you can find them with four things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Much less just one. So 
we did an experiment. So we did our first conference, and we had a, a, a alcohol speaker, Elanon. We had uh, overeaters. We mm. had a, a sexual yeah. uh, recovery, mm-hmm. and uh, the the turnout was just good. And in between the speakers, we have uh, each of those speakers talk about these twelve steps, and mm. we put the twelve steps in a circle. Yeah. So we'll have like uh, maybe a. a an AA speaker, uh, an NA speaker, and maybe yeah. they get up and they share their experience on mm-hmm. in front of everybody, and we found out that that the response was really positive because yeah, yeah. the the so we just are repeating it um, the all addictions conference and that it, we get a real good response to it. So now we're going to just take it in different parts of the country, and we're going to try to we're going to. Uh, Try to take it into places where people who couldn't afford to come here mm. that we take the conferences, yeah. you know, to places like that, you know. In, go um, where the people are. Yeah, go where the good population is. Not everybody can get here. I think Billings is a good, there's a lot of access to Native people like around Billings. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to Portland, Maine and in some places like that. So Yeah, because awesome. I know in Billings there's like, uh, from the latest census, there's like 15,000 Natives there. And my previous work, I worked in suicide prevention for urban Native youth, and I worked closely with the school system. And they, in the um, Indian Education Department, they said on any given year, there's 70 to 90 federally recognized tr- tribes um, represented in the school system. So of that 15,000, there's like up to like 90 federally recognized tribes in Bellings, Montana. So it's like a hub. Yeah, so we just wanted a place where the friends and families of uh, of uh, other addict addictions could come, mm-hmm. and um, then what we're noticing the difference between uh, when it was just alcohol and this is that I know we get calls from a community. I'll give one quick example. They had uh, twenty kids OD'd in forty oh, wow. days, so now that is uh, funerals, and yeah. everybody knows everybody. And what we're finding that's different than alcohol, it takes a long time to die. You die, but it takes a while. Yeah. But this first-time use and fentanyl, small amounts and all that. So what we're finding now is uh, communities are anticipating grief. They're like anticipatory grief. So they know next month it's going to be another 10. And you don't know if it's your kid or a relative or a cousin or whatever. So the whole community is getting like depressed because yeah. it, you know you know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You just don't know who it is. You know it's just uh, yeah yeah. To to me, uh, I think our many of our communities are in a crisis. Maybe not since we had the boarding school crisis. That's how critical I think that we are now. This yes. this mm-hmm. new enemy. Uh, what do we do? The tribes are handing out fentanyl strips. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that that's not a solution. <laughs> yeah, no. that's a boxing. Yeah, right? yeah. Narcan. Like yep. 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 Uh, some of this Narcan's not even working for now. Oh, what it's not. No, what they're mixing it with. Man. But anyway, that's uh, we we're uh, we want to take this on the road. I think maybe do two a year. Uh, yeah. Because we think the need is there. Yeah. Definitely is. Definitely is. No, I know I'm grateful. And um, I think when I first seen uh, that this conference was happening three years ago, two years ago, the the first one, I was like, oh, man, I want to go to that. And now we're here. So this is like a dream come true for me to be here, even to meet you. So 
Thank you for agreeing to come on the unspoken words. Sure. Um, <clears throat> can you tell us about like just where you grew up and like who you grew up with and what that looked like when you're growing up? Uh, our reservation uh, locally is called the Stockbridge Muncie Reservation. It's a Mohican tribe. Mm. Our tribe was originally in uh, New York, and then uh, okay. when we became the problem, the government started moving people around. And uh, yeah. our original name was Mohicanuk, uh, but mm. it got shortened to Mohican over the over the years. So uh, I was raised. Uh, I have uh, six brothers and sisters. Um, my father was a pretty bad drinker uh, for most of our lives, and then uh, I was. Uh, I was taken and put up with my grandpa uh, just because of what was going on in the family. So mm-hmm. I was raised by him. He was kind of a t- traditional guy. Um, yeah. And I, and I first um, moved in there with him. He, he didn't want nobody there. Oh. You know, he was just kind of a, but then it turned out he ended up being my best friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a, yeah. so uh, I think with him, I never drank in high school because we hunted and picked medicines and we were always busy, you know, making a living off the land. Yeah, you know how that was, and so uh, that was uh, that was kind of how I grew up on a, on the res there. Um, right on. Yeah, no man. Go ahead. Oh no, <clears throat> I was just gonna say. Um, so, um, how how were how were you like? Okay, you were exposed because of your father, right? But when did you first uh, have a drink, or you know, how, what did that look like? Um. One week before I graduated was the first time I went out, kind uh, of riding around with some guys, and uh, that's when I gave them my first beer, mm. and uh, it had an immediate effect. Yeah, I yep. could not believe what yeah. happened. I was kind of a shy. I was very shy, like in school. I never asked a question. I I could never walk in front of people, you know. And by the time that little beer, first beer I drank was done, I was the life of the party. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I just could not believe that I, I could come out and uh, kind of be that secret person I wish I was. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, and every time I drank alcohol, that's what it did. And so uh, it was a, a, it was attractive for me to, to have more of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate, too, because that was pretty much the same way kind of uh, closed in, mm-hmm. and I remember that, that, I mean, at the time, I didn't really think about it, but looking back, I knew that that first, that first beer, like, it, that was, that was it, that was it for me right there, I mean, it was just, I thought that, I thought that was all I ever needed after that. For sure, and I can totally relate to that, too, my first buzz, you know, was off of vodka, and then I was just like, I finally found what I was looking for, and I didn't even know I was looking for it. And I was just like, I was cooler, I was handsomer, I was prettier, you know, I was funnier, more beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I still kind of am, but you know that, that helped. I kind of keep it down a little bit, huh? tamed out a little bit. No, I think that that that's amazing, and then like. So did it start out, like, just, did it progress slowly, or was it something that just, like, just became, like, almost like an everyday thing right away? Well, I I, uh, I went under the BIA's relocation program, and I oh, ended up in Denver, and uh, uh, 
I went to engineering school there. And then um, when I was near graduation, I had this, uh, one of the teachers, he knew I was shy, so he helped me practice inter- to interview. Mm. And so the second time I went out, uh, I got hired for, uh, to go down to work for NASA. Oh, wow. And uh, so I worked, I worked down there from Apollo 6 to Apollo 13. Wow. And that place was screaming when they were going to put the man on the moon. Wow. And uh, it was a partying place. <laughs> there, there was, I, I mean, it was, uh, you just got it on. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and so that, that, was, uh, that was the deal. Uh, and I, I, I went on every chance I got mm-hmm. and, uh, and it actually come on very quick. Uh, it didn't take very long down there with that amount of drinking that I first experienced blackouts. Oh uh, yeah. And I thought somebody spiked my drink. I couldn't believe that I, I functioned that night and, uh, and I became very skillful at going and finding out what I did, who I talked to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to cover my to cover my tracks, and then I started having family problems. Yeah. Uh, it was it was mentioned, you know, there, but mm-hmm. uh, the energy of that place. And then I got on. Uh, I got assigned to one of the ships that went out and they sat in a place where land wasn't. So when the satellite would come over, it would the ships would carry that. And uh, uh, I I I ne- I never knew that I was smart. Mm. Uh, I, I I struggled with everything, but when I got to the electronics school, somehow my mind I could just picture all of this what happened. So I got assigned to this ship, and uh, very early uh, on Apollo six was when those three astronauts got killed, mm-hmm. and so there was a delay in the program, and so I was assigned to this ship very early, and I I knew everything, I knew how to fix everything on there. Uh, oh wow! Whether it was telemetry or radar systems, you know whatever. Mm. And uh, I think I would have worked for nothing. I I could I just could not wow. believe I was in that world of uh, of doing that, you know. Yeah. And so uh, it it, uh, it 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 was a love thing, but boy, the the alcohol was even on the ships. It was there, yeah. uh, you know. I I hid booze up in the ceiling and all kinds of different things went on there. But uh, mm. I I was in serious trouble by the time I left <laughs> Florida. Wow. <clears throat> that's pretty awesome and that's like uh yeah that's like seems like i don't even know what to say because i didn't realize that man nasa and then taking that onto like the ships and it, it's crazy that we even find like that's kind of what addiction does to us it like brings like for me it brought out like the the clever part of me right mm-hmm. like how can i do this or how can i you know like my my addiction went to a whole nother place and it, it, it's crazy that it even you know on the ship how you said that you had it everywhere mm-hmm. yeah hmm. wow no that's pretty crazy so from there um <clears throat> when did you like personally like you're like starting like i think i got a problem when did like those ideas start coming in well when i was uh when i finished with that assignment in uh uh at apollo 13 um uh, I was offered a job at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs as a resident engineer there. And so I was there for seven years. And uh, that was where uh, I, I, was, um, I was doing dumb things, uh, spending, drinking money, drink, uh, house payment money, 
mm-hmm. uh, food money, uh, and I was uh, getting 86 out of bars, and uh, I would do stupid things like go into a cowboy bar and start smarting off the cowboys. <laughs> One Indian in a cowboy bar, this is stupid. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, and um, there was just a lot of family trouble, and um, mm. and it got was getting to the where uh, nobody would go drink with me. <laughs> yeah, we all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I was so unpredictable what yeah. what I would do in a you know then a car accident started and then cops and you know that type of thing and so mm-hmm. I I started like the active plan to to cut down on my drinking and I found I could not mm. I, no matter what I did I would talk my I would I would like lock my wallet in the trunk of the car <laughs> uh, wow thinking uh. That That's gonna help, huh? Yeah, yeah, that I could go and have two beers and leave. Yeah. But I take my key, go out and up the trunk and get my money out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> two more. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. two more. That'd be it. Just get a bottle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I can identify with the people not wanting to drink with you part, man. Like, yeah, because that's how I was too. And this guy always talks about it. I know at the end of my drinking career, like nobody wanted to <laughs> So I was just resorted to just drinking by myself in my apartment, you know. But I was cool with that. I was like, hey, more booze for me. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I thought of it too. Like, I mean, people didn't like me around when I was drinking, but I switched. I switched. I was smarter than them. I switched it around and said, I don't want to be around you. <laughs> so. You'll just so drink my booze. Yeah, you'll just drink <laughs> up all the booze. Yeah, I'm better off by myself. So I'm not answering that. phone call. <laughs> Basically, just isolating. Yeah, and I know, like with, um, I've heard your story, and you know, I've listened to it on several different platforms. Um, and the most recent one I listened to it on the YouTube, where you're in Colorado Springs and went to AA and drove around the block <laughs> a couple of times, and they said, "Oh, if that parking spot's there one more time," and. Uh, Kind of take us through that. Like, what were, like, when you saw that, where you felt welcomed there? I'm tell us about that. Well, uh, after I had exhausted uh, plans, I had uh, my family left. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really in a lot of trouble there. And uh, I, I uh, was in deep, tub- deep trouble at work. I saw, I think, double final written warnings and. Mm. Uh, my boss, I didn't know till later on, but he, he was handling me quite well. He was an Al-Anon, mm. like for many years, and so he knew exactly what to do with me. And yeah. uh, so then, I, I guess it was through my my dad was an AA. I I didn't know a lot about it, but all of a sudden I I said, you know, maybe I better go to the AA see mm-hmm. what is uh, going on there. Yeah. And uh, so I did. I drove around the block and you know parked it, but. The biggest shock was uh, when I went upstairs, uh, I looked in that room, and I, my shock was, I said, oh, my God, this is all white people. <laughs> I yeah. could not believe. I said, I'm not going to learn nothing from no white people. Mm. And I started to leave, and there was a greeter. They had somebody who watches for newcomers, I guess. Mm. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but it's like he had a shepherd's hook or something, and uh, he slapped a cup of coffee in my hand and whoosh, I was sitting at that table with all these <laughs> white guys, you know, and uh, I, I, I just said, uh, "I'm not telling them nothing. Mm. I, I'm gonna say anything. I just get out of here when I can." And uh, and so all I did, I, I judged. Uh, 
I was just irritated. Uh, they irritated me like they'd be talking about their uh, about their weaknesses, you know, yeah. about their being selfish, self centered. I I could not believe these white guys was talking like that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other thing irritated me most of everything was how they were laughing. Mm. Not he he. I mean, they were get, getting it on, just laughing about. <laughs> And uh, I, I was just burning with anger. I <laughs> there was nothing funny, you know. <laughs> and uh, but the thing that w- it was was uh, when I when I left there, there was a feeling mm. that I never seen before, that I know of, uh, and it just it was just this thing inside, and I I was trying to figure out what in the hell is that that happened in there because mm. I didn't like it. Later on, I found out that's a feeling you get when you come home. That's when you belong. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I, I uh, In fact, when I remember one time I went home on the res, I went to Green Bay, and I got home, and I was causing all kind of trouble. And my dad took me back to Green Bay, and uh, he said, don't come here no more. Mm. He said, we don't want you around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And then I go to this AA, and they, I pull that crap, and they'd say, keep coming back. <laughs> I thought, God, are they stupid or what? <laughs> Maybe you keep coming back, you know. But that feeling, I went back the second time because I wanted to, I wanted to feel that again, and uh, yeah. I resisted at uh, at first. Uh, but I, I would go drink again, mm-hmm. and so I started going to those meetings, and uh, I finally, I was there long enough to get a sponsor, and then. Uh, I was kind of familiar with that because at home, you know, they always tell you have an elder in your life. Oh, yeah. You know, so that that was how I looked at it. So I watched this one old guy, and uh, th- a lot of them would say, you know, if you want what we have, keep coming back. And I thought, I didn't want half. I didn't want anything. These guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? But this one guy, the way he the way he conducted himself, he, he just was a— there was something about him, and I asked him to be my sponsor, um, finally. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's how I kind of got it going. Um, uh, and I didn't like him. Uh, I mean, he he was uh, uh, my – I don't know why I was attracted to this guy. I remember he'd, uh, he he said to me one time, I said, uh, you, you know, he used to be sarcastic. He was an attorney, but he could – he must have attracted something, but – Anyway, he would say, uh, he said, you know, I know something you don't. He said, all you Indians are always sitting in that back row. And he said, uh, <clears throat> I always think that they all give you the same name because they come to your turn. You go, I pass, I pass, I pass. <laughs> <laughs> so he called me, I pass, you know, yeah. for a, you know, for a while. And, uh, but he says, you guys never hang around. And so uh, he just said, uh, he said, I know something you don't. He said, I, I know how to stay sober. And he said, you little brown, you don't know how to stay sober. Mm-hmm. But he said, if you want to do that. Then he grabbed this big book, and he opened up a how thick 164 pages were. And he said, if you do exactly what's in this book, and he said, there's 74 musts, M-U-S-T, that when you come to that, he said, don't be pulling your cultural crap. Must means you must. I don't... You know, he said, we're not after your culture. We're just trying to help you stay sober. Mm. And so uh, he was very strict. And so I had to go to meetings, and uh, I couldn't, uh, I could say my name, Don, you're alcoholic, but I couldn't talk until after I took the third step. 
He mm. said, because you have nothing of value to offer anybody. <laughs> mm. He used to tell me, he said, your, your head is like an inner ghetto. He mm. said, every time you go in there, you mug yourself. He said, you, 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 you need help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need yeah. help. You need help. Yeah. And so uh, I wasn't able to share meetings or nothing. Yeah. And he chose the meetings I was to go to. Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was uh, exactly what I needed. Yeah, definitely yeah. like something... That just came along right when you needed it. <clears throat> now um, I really whoa. Well, we're leaking. <laughs> we're leaking here. Oh. oh no! Let's move this table over. Go that way, JC. The roof just now started leaking above me. <laughs> Holy cow! That's that's bad too. I know. I, 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 hear you, somebody. I hear you guys from Montana know how to make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> we just came from rain, too. But I really like that um, in the story that you share about how um, the peanut butter recovery, that always cracks me up. <laughs> um, can you share that story just about how the like recovery is like a buffet and there's all these different types of recovery? Yeah. Well, I was over to his place, and uh, he was making uh, us lunch. And uh, uh, somehow I happened to mention about uh, I, I had peanut butter sandwiches and things like that. And uh, uh, he used to always talk to me about the interconnectedness of the steps and how yeah. that whole program was. But I didn't understand what all that meant. And then he started telling me, he says, you know, he said, uh, well, I happened to mention, I, I said, he was sober then 15 years, and I said, boy, I said, do I, if, I, if I have to wait 15 years to have what you have, I said, and I was calculating my age, how old I'd be, and he says, that's not how it is. He said, uh, he said AA is like a banquet. Small banquet, yeah, yeah. He said, way down in the end, there's like lobster and steak, and then he said, a little further down this way, he said, there's like pork chops and meatloaf, and then he said, way down here, there's, uh, you know, like, fried pork chops and or whatever. Then as I was talking, I was eating, as he was talking, I was eating these peanut butter sandwich he had made me, you know, and uh, and he got way down on the end. He said, then way down here, he said, that's where the peanut butter sobriety is. <laughs> and they looked at me and he pretended he was chewing. Yeah. And then he said, the problem with the peanut butter, he said, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. And then he go, <laughs> he make this noise, you know. <laughs> so at, after that, we'd be in a meeting somewhere, and, and uh, he'd look over at me in the meeting, and he'd go. <laughs> he said, like, always messing with me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, saying I just had that peanut butter sobriety. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, that one always cracks me up a lot. Um, can you share with our audience, maybe some of them haven't heard, like, your story or anything, um, but like the the orange frog story, uh-huh. yeah. I I attended. Uh, uh, we had a church on our reservation, just like one church there, and uh, and uh, we had. Uh, I would. I I think it was the last uh, years of the mission school. Uh, I went. I went there, and uh, I just had some really uh, problems with uh, the church, and. Uh, you know, what went on there, and so, uh, of course, I got drinking and stuff, and I, I would always, I had this whole story built up about the church and all that kind of stuff, and so, 
I I really struggle with uh, having to turn my life over to the care of God, mm. and I I just had this weird concept of God, and um, and I I just really struggle with that. And uh, one day I was in this meeting in Denver at York Street, and uh, there was this guy from uh, I think it's California. He told this story about uh, this orange frog, and he said. Uh, he said there's there's this pond, and he said there's four frogs sitting on the log in this pond, and uh, my confusion was in AA you'd hear meetings they'd say well I turn my love over I turn my will over to God then I took it back and then I turned it over and I took it back and then I borrowed it and I did and they talk about all this back and forth you know with the will of God and make a decision to turn your will over it was very confusing because nobody did it. Is how it seemed to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he told his story, and he said uh, there's four frogs sitting on a log, and he said one of those frogs made a decision to jump in the water. It didn't jump, but it made the decision to jump in the water. And then what really made it clear to me, he said, when you make that decision to turn your life and your will over to the Creator, he said, God turns you into an orange frog. You got three green ones, and you know what makes you different is you made that decision to, to turn your will over. Then he said, "Let's say that you do that on a Monday. You turn your with somebody. You turn. You take that third step, and you turn your will over. And then he says, "So let's just what happens on Friday. You get pissed off. He said you're just a pissed off orange frog. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, I said, yeah, I, I." Yeah. I understand that. I wasn't turning. I wasn't taking it back. I was just upset and angry, you know. And then he went on with other examples, and all of a sudden, I knew exactly what that step meant for me. Then mm-hmm. I went to Frank, and my my sponsor at that time, and um, I was really excited. I said, uh, I, "I said, Frank, I said, I'm ready to take that third step." I said, uh, I, "I I know how to become orange frog," and he'd like roll his eyes and. You know, you could tell he was just really frustrated, and he'd say, he say, you know, I'm getting tired of this Indian shit, but if you want to become a frog, then let's get on our knees and we'll say that third-step <laughs> prayer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way that, you know, that went down. And then uh, I, I did. We got on our knees, me and an old man, and we took that third-step prayer out of the big book right at that time. and. And I knew something happened because uh, I was at his place, and when I got done, I sat back down in that chair, and his cat came down and jumped in my lap and kind of rubbed itself on me. Mm. Me and cats don't like one another. Oh, okay. Not at all. And here that darn cat come in, and I petted it. Yeah. And so Mm. I knew something was going on, and so then I asked him, I said, uh, said, well, now what? And he grabbed a ruler and he had behind his chair a tablet and he showed me how to write inventory mm-hmm. so I, I had examples of writing inventory that night right on right on you guys got anything um <clears throat> i just i would kind of wanted to backtrack to what you were talking about earlier you know you go into meetings and you're like i don't want none of this you got a sponsor that you didn't like um but you went through with it and i just wanted to know what do you think it was that compelled you to actually take those steps? Well, I knew my family back on the res was praying for me. I knew that was going on. And mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, I actually had no intentions of quitting drinking. I didn't care no more. Yeah. It, it, didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Yeah. And I think what was noticeable uh, was I was married at that time to my first wife, and uh, she started going to Al-Anon. And I liked it because she go to Allen on Friday, zip out to the bar, I go, you know. <laughs> and I yeah. thought it was really cool. But I caught I remember the weekend that she went to the Allenon and she caught on to what the Allenon was about. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, she changed my life. Like you she didn't cover for me, she didn't care, there was no argument, not you know, I felt she was hit some kind of a cult thing. But that was the most noticeable thing, and uh, it made my life worse. Uh, But uh, there was something about uh, those twelve steps. Uh, I I I was I was attracted to them, Uh, and it's like everything else. Later on, I had uh, a native sponsor. Johnny Looking Cloud, and he's the one that showed me how to put the steps in a circle, and he gave me a ceremony for all the steps, and uh-huh. take this with a pipe and to smudge, and that just really made a difference. But I, I think I had divine intervention from the Creator. I mm-hmm. think what happens to a lot of, I think like you guys, you know, yeah, uh, you probably shouldn't be doing what you're doing, but you got selected, and here you are carrying a message to Native people all over the country. No, you know. So I, I think sometimes there's an intervention from. I think we, I think we go to the Creator's school of hard knocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, definitely. I think he watches us and he lets you go, just do a bunch of dumb stuff, mm-hmm. because when you get sober, you can reach another alcoholic when nobody else can, because mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. story is believable. That you, you tell the story, it really happened. You can, yeah. you can tell. Yeah. Especially, you know, Indians. You, uh, who would believe that we could do that stuff that we did and live? Yeah, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's a whole selection process that's been going on for for a while. It's not an accident. We are even sitting here. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm a strong believer in what you just said, like divine intervention. Uh, I think you know, just um, like you said, all four of us have each our own unique stories, a lot of similarities. But at the same time, all four of us are meeting here today talking about recovery, talking about, you know, that experience, strength, and hope. And uh, the reason why I asked that question is because um, listening to you, I I had the same uh, thought process or the same attitude uh, about AA. Like, I can't learn nothing from these people. I don't fit in here. I don't get it. You know, this is, there's nothing for me here. But looking back now, I realize that I wasn't ready. I mean, that was just plain and simple i was not ready and you know listening to you talk about uh divine intervention like you know almost being chosen to say okay now you're done with that so we're going to do something else but um i will say that uh it was the traditional culture and that spirituality that really helped because you know that's part of our identity and i think for too long um and i don't think i'm alone here but we, we we run away from that because those two things they cannot they can't exist in the same world, uh, and so yeah, I was just kind of interested on your take as to what you know really would compel somebody to move forward despite the fact that you know I don't get it I don't understand this 
or I, I mean, I'm, I don't feel like I can get anything from this, but, um, and so, you know, listening to that, I think, you know, just for me being, uh, the basis of my recovery really started with that spirituality part. Like I had nowhere to go because I was locked up and I was just me and my mind and the creator. And then that's how it started. So, I mean, it's what you have is a really powerful story. Yeah, I just want to sit here and listen, man. Like yeah. there was, I was writing stuff down. Um, but one thing that you said in the beginning of the uh, of the interview was you were talking about like um, you felt at home. But one thing that you said was like, this is for everybody in addiction, right? Like it doesn't matter. And I would ask you the question, like, man, is that the reason why? Like, you know how you're driving around in a circle and you're saying, like, this is like I finally feel at home. And then now, like today, like where we're at, we're like where you just said, like, I have never met just a native with one, just an alcohol addiction. But like you encompassed everybody. And it kind of seems like that us as natives, that's kind of how we operate. It's like if you're not accepted over there, you're not accepted over there. Hey, man, come over here. We're here. You know, and that may, may not be a question, but I want to thank you for your service. And everything that you've done because you've paved the way for so many Native Americans to come out here and feel at home and feel good about their recovery, especially like hearing the things like for me, like hearing you choose your your um, your sponsor. Right. But him challenging you. You chose to stick through that, because one thing that we talk about is when we come to addiction and the first signs of any type of obstacle we want to turn back and run back away because things get too hard. Mm. So I want to thank you for your yes all those years ago. Thank you. Well, I think, too, there was an Indian guy from uh, northern Wisconsin. I think he spoke at the International in Canada. And uh, I, ha- I have his tape. And uh, one of the things he, he tells in his story up there is that uh, him and some friends were newly sober, and they wanted to go to Founders Day. And he jumped near a res car, and he went down there. And uh, Dr. Bob was dead, and Bill Wilson was still alive. And uh, he said they were, went to the gravesite, and uh, people were gathering around. And he said, Bill Wilson looked over at him, and he says, uh, you're a Native American, aren't you? And he, he looked around to see who the heck would he be talking to, <laughs> and it was him. And finally he said, well... He said, yeah, he said, I'm a sober one, too, you know. And uh, <laughs> Bill Wilson said, uh, I want you to stay after. I want something I want to tell you. Mm. And so uh, he said, all during that talking, he he just didn't hear nothing. Ozzy couldn't believe it. Bill Wilson was going to come talk to him. He couldn't believe it. Mm. So everybody left. And so Bill Wilson come over, and he says, I want you to know, he said, uh, when we started these 12 steps, he said, uh, it's, we could not get it going. We really struggled. And he said, they told us, uh, you need to go talk to the Native elders. And so he said, we did. And he said, and that's when the spirituality mm-hmm. hit the steps. He said, when they... Wow. And uh, it gives me chills to this day to, yeah. know, to know. And I think that's why it's uh, attractive to us th- that there's a spirit in those steps that's put in there by our our old people, you know. Mm. Oh, they, yeah, they, under- sure. they understood it was a natural order. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a white man's program. They understood it was a natural order of, of return to the earth teachings, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, and I think for me, um, like when I got out of treatment, it was actually my counselor. He was like, have you heard of Wellbriety? I was like, no. And he was like, well, but we have the Red Road to Wellbriety book in our library. He said, I'll buy it for you. He said, I want you to read it. And that was kind of his gift to me as I left uh, treatment. And he was like, read it. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll read it. And like, I was game, you know, because I was, you know, done. I was like determined to stay sober. So when he gave me that, I was like, all right, I'll read this. And I, I read it and like the um, introduction and the first few chapters, I was like, boom, like just like mushroom cloud. My mind was blown. I was like, this is what's going to work. Uh, implementing these cultural teachings um, is what's going to work for me. Finally, I found something. Mm-hmm. And so um, read that book. And then um, the year before, I went to treatment in Browning, Montana, at the Crystal Creek Lodge. And they had talking circles there every day from 8 a.m. to 9, 9 a.m. And I was like, oh, I need to go. And I loved those when I was there. Um, so I was like, all right, so I need to find a talking circle. So I looked around in Bellings, and um, <clears throat> there was none. And, you know, at this time, I'm like three, four months walking the red road, and I was like, oh, I'll just start one. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'll just start one. Nice, yep. And so I started looking for a venue, and that's when I came to Bellings First Church, and they're like, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. when do you want to start, you know? But it was like months of no's. But um, that's just wanted to share that piece with you. Um, and then building that group, you know, staying committed to that group and building it up. And then now they just run, you know, nice. yep. I, I stepped back in December 2021. I stepped back from the group and it's, it's just running now. Um, but just really wanted to share that piece with you and just really thank you for, you know, getting well braided going and, um, Wanted to ask, like, what was that like? I guess, like, that that time, I know it was, like, 90s, right? When you're getting uh, this literature together and then, like, starting to get it out there to Native country. Um, what was that kind of, what was that scene? How did, how did that look? Well, it, uh, I come out of a, I come out of a meeting, is a meeting on gratitude and, uh, I I was four years sober then, and I I sat under this tree afterwards, and I was kind of a, in a high place or whatever, and I was just kind of chit chatting with the creator, and I said, you know, I said, me and you both know I've been sober four years. I said I didn't smell no liquor. I said we know that. I didn't drink nothing. I said I fought through uh, wanting to drink a couple of times, but I said I didn't do it, and mm-hmm. I said. Uh, I said, I know I'm not supposed to bossing you around. I'm supposed to listen to what you tell me. I said, but if you could help me carry this message to the people, I said, this stuff works. I said, I'll, I'll spend the rest of my life doing it. But I said, you're the boss, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, this thing started to happen, and I had no idea it was going to be like this. Uh, when we... Uh, Got through. It wasn't until uh, Johnny Cloud helped me put the steps in a circle and went through that process. And then we couldn't get anybody to help videotape. Uh, mm. We wrote grants and 
who wanted to do 12 steps for Indians in a circle, you know? Yeah. And so the only ones that would listen to us that would let us do it was a prison in uh, Idaho. Oh. And that was, so we went there and uh, we all we all piled in our car. We all slept in the same room and uh, <laughs> we got in the, the, to uh, make the video. And uh, I had met this guy from CNN. He was a, uh, a camera guy. Uh, for uh, one of the for one of the gather other we did a gathering for sober for the veterans, mm. but anyway he happened to be there by accident and he said uh, with his family and he said well what are you doing I told him he said well do you need any help he said I know how to direct stuff and I said well yeah I said that would really be, really be good so he come to the prison we got him in there and uh, we're sitting there having a cup of coffee and he says well where's the set. And we looked at one another, and we said, well, what's a set? What does that mean? <laughs> and we knew he was in trouble. So anyway, uh, we got some of the inmates together, and they stole lamps, uh, borrowed lamps for us. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they put uh, uh, aluminum foil inside to, for a reflector. And that's, yeah. how that, that's how that video series was, <laughs> was made. And we got to college. Mm. There was a woman there who was teaching kids how to video. And they videotaped for us, and they edited it, and uh, that's how the first. We had no idea mm-hmm. what that was going to do, so we thought we were just making that video for the prisons. Yeah, but little did we know that uh, it was going to it was going to take off. So what I'm saying is, I had no plan. Uh, you know, it was it was sort of like just do this, and I had no idea there was something else coming at first. And even uh, writing that book, it took five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was using that thing. I had learned a thing about mind mapping. Mm-hmm. And in my house, I had mind maps in a garage all the way around the garage and three lo- three layers of mind mapping and down the hallway. And my get another teaching I'd run, find out, you know, write it down. And then uh, this guy I knew, he was uh, like an editor stuff. And so he came over and uh, with his microphone and I talked, I talked that mind maps. That's mm. how the book was written. Uh, oh wow! Uh, and when it got done, uh, we needed uh, fourteen thousand dollars to print five thousand copies. Wow! And we had no money. Mm. And so uh, on Tuesday, a woman come in there and she said, "I'm feeling I'm supposed to give you four thousand dollars of my uh, income tax return." Wow. And we said, oh, that, thank you, you know, and all mm. that. Then by Friday, I had met this guy in Washington, D.C., um, and uh, he quit the government and went to work for this company, and they got in a big fight over budget stuff. And so he called up and he said, we got in a fight, and he said, our boss is over $10,000. My boss said, I want to get it out of this company. Go give it to somebody. Wow. And so he said, if you can get an invoice here by 5 o'clock, he said, I'll, I'll have him send you that check. Wow. And that was how we got the $14,000. <laughs> wow. Then they loaded, they loaded those, uh, it was five pallets. That's how much 5,000 books cost. And uh, they loaded it in my garage, and uh, I, had never, I hadn't seen the book. Mm. And I opened up that case, and I looked at it, and I just cried. Yeah. Yeah. I could not believe that the book was there, you know. Come mm-hmm. on. So uh, I told the creator, I said, I'm going to give these books away. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to. Come on. 
I'll give them, give them away. And my accountant, boy, she called me every name in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, I, mm. I knew, I called up people in Alaska and the different ones I know, and I said, I got this book. I said, uh, but I, I said, if you, if you want one or you know somebody wants one, I said, let me know. So it took 90 days to get rid of 5,000 books. And, wow. uh, and that was how it how it got going. I, I thought it was after the fact. I said, I should have never given them away. I should have <laughs> sold them. Because <laughs> then yeah. we had, uh, you know, more. But you can see it was a God thing, this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not smart enough to be a strategic planner to make a well writing movement. It was, uh, I just listened to the creator doing the next thing, next thing, next thing. And then, mm. then we made the one for... Uh, for men, and we were so excited about that videotape, and we had the council of elders. We come together, and there was a clan mother in there, and she said, "Where's the one for the women?" Mm. And I said, "Well, just let them use this one." I said, uh, "That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad." So we had to go to the women's prison, and we made another one. And who the heck would ever think that videotaping Indians in prison would be how our native people are going to recover? Mm. You know, it should be out of Harvard or someplace else, but. That's that's how it unfolded, you know, and so uh, it's still unfolding that way. Mm. But you can easily see it's. I think that the creator gave the black people the civil rights movement, and then he says, "Okay, for you guys, I'm gonna give you a well writing movement. Mm-hmm. This is yours. Yeah, come on. This this is what uh, this is, and it's thousands of us are sober now, you know, as a result. Of oh, it. for and sure. Then we, I think there were a lot of beliefs about our culture was gone, it was lost. We found that it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. And then I think what that, from what I can tell, what this book does is, uh, I think, I think inside of every salmon there's a blueprint that makes it salmon do what it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. and inside every moose there's a blueprint that makes it. And I think inside of us we have a blueprint, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's like inside of every human being is an innate knowledge of your own well-being. And when you start to read about this thing, it wakes something up. Mm. Uh, you go, man, that, it, it just does something. I don't know what it is, but it, it, I know uh, during COVID, we sent, uh, I think, almost 14,000 of them to Native people in prison because mm-hmm. they were locked up. Yeah, mm. and they wouldn't let them out, you know, an hour a day or something. And they said they were going crazy, so we just give them away. Mm. Uh, you know, whoever asked for it, come on, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That thank you. That that story sounds strangely familiar, <laughs> because I mean that's that's kind of how you know we started out. Like we we started out on borrowed equipment, sure, um, yep. and yep. we we were in a. I'm not going to say tabernacle. It's sanctuary <laughs> of the church. And we sounded like when you listen to those early episodes, it sounds like we're in a cave <laughs> and our voices are kind of, but um, like I'm speaking for myself, like I'm kind of the same way. Like I can't honestly say that we planned anything, but mm. just, you know, going through it, going through those motions, doing what we do every week, and then, you know, those doors started opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at us now. We are in Phoenix, Arizona, talking to the man himself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. That's so, and that's all just um, from that desire to say, okay, we can get our experience, strength, and hope 
out in this platform, you know, it, it, uh, the podcast platform, because it's it's so easily accessible for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that desire to help others and say, hey, you know, we're walking. You come walk with us. Yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. You have anything else you got left there, Randy? No, questions? man. I just like, I, it, it just makes me respect the work that you've done even more. Because I saw the passion when you talked about the finished product. Mm. I'm writing a book about my my experience. You know, I overdosed November 7th, 2014, which is crazy because we started November 5th, yeah. 2020. <laughs> so like almost six years after. And I don't know where to start. So what I do is I go to an audio recorder. And then I'm putting it in that way. And it's hard because, it's, you know, but... It just makes me realize, like, man, I got to get this done. Mm. Because I'm overcome here. Man, I, I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, when I see Indian men doing what you guys are doing, that just makes my day. Right on. Um, you know, the we're behind. And uh, I, I think that uh, for whatever reason, this alcohol, when it took us... Um, I think there's going to come a day when we have to make an apology to our women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or we abandoned and left them alone yes. and kids and all that kind of stuff, you know, mm. and boy, to see, I get really excited to see Indian men doing this sort of thing more than anything because uh, the little ones are watching you, the little guys, they're watching mm-hmm. what you're doing and, you know, they're, we got to stop them having role models of black football players and stuff. They got to be looking at us mm. like they used to. Yes. yes. And look at us. And, uh, and I, I'm just really, I'm honored and I'm really proud of you guys uh, right for, you, for you doing this. And uh, if we can help any way to sponsor what you're doing, we will. Right on. Uh, you know, we have uh, been blessed with a way to communicate out to large audiences. And this, this, this is the format of the future. I mean, th- this is uh, this is significant. Yeah. At one time there was like Native American calling was kind of a breakthrough mm-hmm. when they were able to get on radio. Now look at you guys are doing. Yeah. Three Indian guys, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And here you are. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and it's just the like deal, you know. I'm proud <clears throat> of you. And it. Yeah, kind of like your commitment, your determination. That's what I was hearing in your story, your story sharing and sharing your experience. Um, that's like where we're at, you know, like we committed like every Thursday, you know, for 151 weeks in a row. Like we're going to we're going to show up. That's good. I know the first 15 years I've I flew out over 100,000 miles just United Airlines alone. Wow. wow. Not counting Delta and all the others in uh I, I made a commitment to not say no. Mm. And I went whether I got paid or not. Almost got end up in debt a <laughs> couple of times. You know, but yeah. I had to learn some balance and I had to learn no. Mm-hmm. But at first, uh, if a grandma called and said she was in trouble, I would figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now I've, I, uh, I've, I've uh, resigned from White Bison. I'm on a board that, I forget that Latin name that, Old people get on in your emeritus or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, emeritus? Yeah. Emeritus? I'm one of those. Right? Emeritus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, and uh, it, there was time that you have to turn this over to the young people. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we were financially sound and uh, good leadership and really good crew. And so I resigned on uh, in March oh, wow. uh, of that. And so the only thing I kept was uh, I have this hoop of 100 eagle feathers. Yeah. And uh, that isn't mine. That belongs to the people, you know. So when they ask for it, then I take it there. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. And, right on. And I'm writing Red Road Book 2. I'm writing the next version. Oh, awesome. Of this and uh, and then we're uh, my finishing. I'm, I'm writing Red Road Book Two, and then I want to start this program called Wellanon. And yeah. this Wellanon is going to be for the families, uh, addicts, uh, like Alanon. But it's Wellanon. It's ours, but everybody's welcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone, no matter what you, whatever, every how many addictions you have, or. Or don't have you come on and tell your story and let's share you know with that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hanging with now. Nice. That's nice. really cool. That's Man. really cool. Well, I just wanted to give you a special thank you. You know, for me, um, like I know I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for me being introduced to Wellbriety. It's definitely um, helped me come this far. The Red Road, the Red Road teachings, the Medicine Well teachings. It's something that I I use every day. You know, I know, like, you know, I just went from year seven to eight. I just went through that winter season. It was oh. difficult. Yes. But because I knew it was coming, I prepared in that fall season. I surrounded myself with those people that didn't fall away, like I the see. leaves. Yep. You know, I kept those people close, um, and they helped me get through that winter season. Mm-hmm. And that was... uh. Yeah, really thankful for that. It was really tough, and it was like that spiritual season, heavy, you know, and, and like where other seasons when something happens, I'm just like, yeah. But it seemed like everything was just like, oh, man, uh, uh, you know, just like sighing all the time. Mm-hmm. Felt like throughout that whole um, that whole year. Well, I don't like to be bad news, but uh, I went through uh – 43 to 44, that's a winter time. It's mm-hmm. the worst I've had in my whole sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But it was, uh, you know, I did the same thing. I doubled up on my meetings and hung around, you know, some Indian guys I can talk to and share with. And uh, and we can work through a lot of things in this program. I never, ever thought I'd work through sexual abuse, but I did. Mm-hmm. Uh and a lot of us have been sexually abused. Yeah. It's hard for us to to chat about that, but we're we're doing it, you know, because mm-hmm. guys like you guys are getting sober and putting the word out, and it's healing our men, and mm-hmm. yes. our communities. I'm re- I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. Thank, right you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and uh, you know, just for me, you know, I just want to say what an honor and you know what a blessing it is to have you here today with us thank you for agreeing to this interview i've been listening to you for years read that book front to back several times (laughs) uh last couple times i think it stuck (laughs) (laughs) but um you know and uh i think these guys are one of these guys already mentioned it you know that early early on in your recovery when you were saying all those yeses i just want you to know that had had a profound effect on me today Mm. And um, you know, I thank you. I love you, and man, thanks. I just can't say that enough. I appreciate everything you've done, everything you do, 
and looking forward to all your future projects. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a great honor to be here and take part in this uh, conference that's going to start tonight. And um, yeah, we appreciate you coming through and, you know, just blessing us with your presence. Oh, yes. thank you. Yeah. Got anything, Randy? No, man. I think it's just like, it's just such an, an awesome opportunity to sit here and learn from somebody. You know, it's like, I, I said it earlier, but writing some of the nuggets that you shared down and thank you, you know, thank you for demonstrating for us the good path to follow. Thank you. Uh, who? So with that, you know, um, we'll, we'll call that interview to a close. And did you have anything for us? Any questions for us? Oh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I just, uh, you know, sometimes you have an experience. I, I bet I'll never forget this day. Right on. No matter what, I'm going to remember. I remember this. It just really uh, makes my heart very happy. You know, sometimes my heart can cry. Yeah. You know, just out of joy, and to see this uh, and have this experience with you guys has yeah. made my day. Thank you very much. Right on. Yeah, my definitely made my day too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it, it's and, worth it. And yeah. you say that um your heart crying with joy, that's what mine is doing right now. I mean, I just cannot I can't deny that. Right. And um, you know, that I could sit here and say thank you all day, but I think the best thing I can do is go forward and try to help others. Isn't yes. that cool we in, we Indian guys can say talk like this? Yeah. Made my heart cry with joy. Yeah. Man. Good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's some good stuff. Yeah. Right on, right on. Nice. So I think that's a good place to end it, huh? I yes. think we better just stop over ahead. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the Don. Don Coyes, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for coming on. And to all our listeners out there all over Flat Earth, we love you. We appreciate you. <laughs> and to our unspoken words, disciples, keep spreading unspoken words, gospel, Billy Graham style. Uh, hey. Shout out to Phoenix, Oof. Arizona. Take uh, care of yourself. Oh, Be that's kind. That's right. Yourself. Turn on the AC. <laughs> it's hot in here.